0: To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Daily Balance THC-free line of oils, soft gels, and gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly opportunity to field your questions. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. And we got a mailbox full of great questions. And with me today is Layla Mutin, who is our resident nutritionist. Together, we answer your questions on a weekly basis. And... uh, I would have to say among our uh, podcasts, it really is uh, a fan favorite because uh, you never know what we're going to talk about. It's kind of uh, a smorgasbord of uh, interesting health information, uh, which is driven by your uh, interesting questions. So we encourage questions to questions at drhoffman.net. How are you today, Layla? Okay, Dr. Hoffman. How are you? Very well. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I feel uh, invigorated because, uh, you know, while it was very rainy on Saturday, uh, Sunday and Monday were quite nice. And yeah, uh, yeah Saturday kind of a washout for outdoor exercise. But I managed to take two really nice bike rides in New Jersey. Uh, looking at the fall foliage and it just oh, nice. Such a pleasure because you know <laughs> It's kind of different because when you're in, in the gym exercising you know you're getting a I don't know a stationary bicycle for an hour and a half uh, That can be a little bit uh, I don't know arduous but when you're you know just traveling through beautiful scenery uh, with the fall colors, uh, it's and uh, looking at uh, farms and uh, livestock, <laughs> you know, because New Jersey-
1: It's nice to commune with nature, yeah. yes.
0: I think a lot of people's impression of New Jersey is from the opening scenes of The Sopranos, you know, like industrial <laughs> wasteland, but uh, there are parts of New Jersey, I mean, there's a reason they call it- We're not it.
1: talking about Newark.
0: <laughs> there's a reason they, they call it uh, the Garden State. Uh, and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, beautiful woodlands and uh, farmland, horse farms. So it's quite nice. Anyway, um, I wanted to begin, you know, before we get to questions, we have a lot of good questions this week. But I just want to comment on this uh, uh, this story. Uh, headline from the New York Post. Ice cream and potato chips are just as addictive as cocaine or heroin. This according right. to the latest research. It's based on a meta-analysis of 281 studies, 281 studies, across 36 different countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, It came up with the finding that a staggering 14% of adults are hooked on UPFs. UPF stands for ultra-processed foods. And including that uh, definition, sausage, ice cream, uh, cookies, soft drinks, sugary cereals, obviously uh, candies. And sure. uh, I have to say, I exercised a lot of willpower this weekend because uh, we bought Halloween candy. Uh, mm, be- you got uh, it
1: early or for- must have been on sale.
0: <laughs> oh, it, I think they started selling it in, you know, at uh, Labor Day. And you uh, right. so had these big baskets of tempting, you know, like the little mini Snickers and the mini Reese's Cups. Yes. And, and I have wow. to admit um I I have one of these little tiny Reese's cups, and it is devilishly good, devilishly good. It peanut butter and chocolate, peanut butter cups, yeah, Mm. and and just the right amount of salt. That's it is mmm, so very (laughs) very addictive. I I did stop at one. I you know I mean I didn't have enough willpower because the the stuff is sitting there in baskets, ready to be handed out. You know when the trick or treaters come. <laughs> so I, I think hey, I exercised. Wait a minute. I exercised it's the pretty good restraint.
1: October, what's going on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't. Sp- I I jumped the gun, huh? Okay, but <laughs> I, I I would I thought I exercised, uh, you know, some some willpower. Just to, to sure. Talent. I had I had to, you know, how often do I have a Reese's cup? Uh, okay. Well, you
1: know, Doctor Hoffman, it's tough when the stuff is in the house. Yeah. It's tougher. I mean, yeah. we're human, right? Yeah. If there's a pint of Hagen in the freezer, I'm thinking about when I'm going to eat that. But if it's not in the house, yeah. I'm not going to go get it.
0: Good strategy is to keep it out of the house, but you know, keep it out of the house. But this is this is the ultimate test because we literally had baskets of these things, and i i just had I just had one, so okay, I feel I felt good about Excellent. it. So, <laughs> so the analysis was led by University of Michigan uh-huh. professor Ashley Gearhart, who has created something called the Yale Food Addiction Scale. Okay, and that's something that uh, maybe will be of use for you in your practice, uh, Layla. You could just Google Yale Food Addiction Scale, (laughs) and they rate foods by how addictive they are. So, probably low on the addiction scale is uh, uh, steamed kale, right? You know, probably (laughs) not (laughs) up there. Uh, But high on the addiction scale would be, you know, probably... Uh, on, on a 1 to 10, a 9.5 would be uh, a Reese's peanut butter cup. But then there's sure. other things, you know, like, like popcorn and, of course, soft drinks, uh, sugary Later cereals. The them. sugary cereals, you know, like I used to be a fiend for Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, right? You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, drenched in milk and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know. so um, th- So, they say that these foods produce... Quote, uncontrollable and excessive consumption cravings and uh, perpetuate intake despite potential negative health effects.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It begets craving for more.
0: Yeah. Just
1: having, you know, that that phrase, you can't just only eat one.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: One potato chip, one small cookie. It's true.
0: Potato chips are up there. Uh, Yeah. So now I think. That based on articles like this, you know, they they have thoroughly indicted the, the tobacco industry for, number one, producing products that are harmful and kill you. And that has been conclusively mm-hmm. demonstrated. And number two, the products are addictive. Okay? Yeah. Uh, same thing with, uh, you know, fentanyl. Uh, these are some of the things that, uh, you know, and, uh, uh oxycodone, uh, yes. there was, there's been, you know, major lawsuits and huge, you know, multi, I won't even uh, multi-billion dollar settlements. Uh, Rite Aid, by the way, is going out of business because under the burden of, uh, penalties and lawsuits for too readily dispensing addictive medication that killed people. So I'm thinking... That there are going to be some enterprising attorneys out there who are going to say, "Hey, we're going to sue the food industry because a you knew it, b you made the food ultra addictive, and c we now conclusively can demonstrate that that stuff kills you."
1: Wow!
0: Right. So that would be amazing. That this the studies like this are the smoking gun against yeah. the food industry, and you know I. I am not a big fan of these lawsuits. You know, like sue everybody in sight. You know, and yeah. uh, you know, basically, what ends up happening is that each plaintiff in a class action suit gets, you know, uh, thirty-seven dollars, and the attorneys, uh, you know, make millions of dollars because they it's take. It's
1: very like, parasitic.
0: Yeah, they they take like thirty yeah. percent of the of the fees. But I gotta say, uh, this may be a tool in our arsenal against ultra processed foods because the government's not going to regulate it the government's in cahoots too many lobbyists of the food industry who are going to uh, impede legislation which uh reduces access to this and, and americans are ornery too they you know i want my soda i want my pizza i want you know okay. i was you know it's a free I want country my fries, i yeah. want my chips i, I want, want my, my big gulp you know uh, mayor bloomberg yes uh, you know got into a big snit in new york because he wanted to limit the size of sodas you know so that's like oh it's it's like okay uh so have your yeah big but soda. you know
1: we should all be able to self-regulate we don't need to drink a quart of soda yeah. in a yeah. sitting
0: that that's what i i think that's a better way to deal with it is the self-regulation yeah and through education and you know
1: what's interesting you, you, dr hopman you know what's if you go to the store lately and now you look at a six-pack of soda, whether it's Coca-Cola or 7-Up, they've yeah. got the new eight-ounce sizes. Yeah. Everybody's looking at these and say, look at these mini sodas, yeah. they're not mini. That's the serving size.
0: And that's, that's the way they're trying to get ahead of it. They're going to claim that yeah. they're mitigating harm, but they're not eliminating it. But it's a little bit like, you know, with the cigarettes. They started out, you know, with camel cigarettes, unfiltered, you know, oh, pall malls yeah. that they used to hand out to servicemen right. in, in World War II. And then they get, then they say, well, what, put filters on them? That's, that's healthier. And then you had the parliament cigarettes which uh I used to smoke and it was it was basically like sucking on cardboard but mm-hmm. they they were smart because they knew that you know if you smoked a dozen uh you know camel cigarettes uh you would end up smoking you know a pack and a half of parliament to get the same requisite amount of nicotine into your system so oh my so they they can I have- used
1: to smoke I used to smoke parliaments too okay and before that it was newports okay and Oh my goodness! Yeah, who was I?
0: <laughs> I well, you know, you were uh, like a, a rock and roll babe, you know. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and, yeah,
1: yeah, and I quit in '92. It was the yeah. most intelligent thing I've ever done. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Me too. I mean I, I think I, I flirted with that for like four years, uh, and uh, uh, the way he got introduced to it is that uh, I worked on a kibbutz when I was 18, and mm. uh, they used to give us as part of our rations. They used to give us. Cabbage cigarettes. They weren't really, you know, they weren't really cigarettes because, you know, uh, Israel was kind of poor then in the 1970s, early mm-hmm. 1970s. And so they gave us these cabbage cigarettes where we could pretend to be smoking cigarettes. And then I got into the habit. And then, I, you know, the ne- next thing I knew, I was, you know, buying regular cigarettes and they, uh, you know, hit the spot. And uh, I became a smoker during college, but quit. quit Wait, I'm the curious. End yeah. I'm curious. You called them cabbage cigarettes? Yeah, it, it wasn't. They were like phony cigarettes. Uh, they weren't. Oh,
1: okay. They, they weren't made of cabbage. right?
0: I think they might have been. It was like just smoking, oh! <laughs> just smoking. Uh, you know, dried vegetation. You know, to give you the impression oh, that you were smoking something. Yeah.
1: I see. I see. Yeah. I see.
0: I mean, mean, you you could go to town and buy regular cigarettes, you know, but once you have the habit of like sucking on uh, burning plant material, you know, it's it's kind of a a gateway drug to cigarettes, you know, exactly. Anyway. All right. That's my story. So uh, let's get to questions. And I just might uh, mention before we get to questions, um, you know, when we talk about uh, supplements, uh, you can shop hundreds of curated vetted supplements in my full script dispenser it's safer that way because the stuff you to get on amazon uh you know it it can be okay but you see something suspiciously low price it might be counterfeit it might have been uh you know stored on a shelf or it might even been dumpster dived or shoplifted for all you know or
1: because.
0: an imposter yeah. yeah or an imposter so uh, go to dr uh, you get fast free delivery i took care of that i, I negotiated a deal with them where all my patients get uh, free delivery beyond a certain threshold. I think, you know, if you buy like one thing for $3, I think <laughs> maybe you have to pay shipping, mm-hmm. but, uh, mm-hmm. that's the way I get my supplements. And, um, that's and the me way too. I recommend yep. you do that. So dear All right, let's get to <clears throat> questions.
1: We've got one from, from Steve. Uh, my dad has Parkinson's disease and fell. Ever since his fall, he's had no balance, and something seemed to happen to his cognition. He now stares off. Weird as it was very acute and happened directly after the fall, his legs are very strong, but he just can't balance. And the doctors, including his, his
0: neurologist, is not sure what's causing this. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be hard to determine, but uh, there, there is a phenomenon – where after trauma, uh, often things get worse. And it's kind mm-hmm. of a chicken egg and egg thing. It may be that his uh, progressive Parkinson's disease led to the fall, or it may be that the fall itself precipitated a progression in his Parkinson's disease. And, and the model for that is patients who have some sort of trauma. You know, they fall or they have an injury or motor, ve- motor vehicle accident. Uh, and afterwards, uh, beyond their injury, their whole body is inflamed. And I think that yeah. uh, in Parkinson's disease, maybe that maybe there's some uh, effect on the brain of uh, mm-hmm. body-wide inflammation that can accelerate the deterioration in Parkinson's disease. Uh, that's the only thing I can posit. Uh, you know, it, it's it's. Not going to make that much difference therapeutically because, you know, he's going to need medication. Uh, he might benefit from, you know, our go-to is high doses of coenzyme Q10, although some studies yes. have said are a little equivocal on that. Uh, but we also like NADH uh, mm-hmm. or uh, NAD supplements like True niogen for that. Uh, there's some evidence that they may help to preserve um, uh, motor function in uh that and you know the other thing is uh in male patients uh I, I pretty rarely prescribe testosterone because testosterone uh has been shown to kind of slow the progression of parkinson's disease. Uh there's some huh. information on nicotine for parkinson's disease. I think we're going to get to yeah. a question about nicotine a little later. Uh but mm-hmm. uh, the nicotine patch uh, you know not to start smoking uh but to use nicotine uh either lozenges or the patch to deliver nicotine because nicotine is actually something that, uh, has a, uh, a brain active effect, you know, and may, may actually, uh, slow the progression of Parkinson's. These are adjunctive treatments and I would leave it to the neurologist to provide, uh, medication treatments for Parkinson's. So there you yeah. have it.
1: Okay. Steve, thank you for that question. All right. Oh, oh, this next one from Jody. This one is pretty harrowing. There's a little bit of a story here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was diagnosed with DCIS zero to one and overtreated in
0: 2004. So hold, hold DCIS on, DCIS is
1: it. something. Yeah, go ahead.
0: You're going to explain it. Good. Calcification yeah.
1: condition in the breast ducts that is being classified as a cancer.
0: Well, you know, zero- there, there's some controversy over that because it actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, is it a cancer? Is it not a cancer? Uh, the problem with it's ductal carcinoma in situ. Carcinoma in situ means okay. that it's not invasive cancer. So mm-hmm. the problem with DCIS, according to some breast surgeons, is that DCIS once you find it, it's often pervasive uh, throughout the breast and even in the on the opposite side. So. Uh, It's been proposed that for some women that they don't just have local excision, that they have a mastectomy or a bilateral mastectomy that's kind yeah. of a, a radical treatment but well some women prefer that because they say look I don't want to keep going year after year for mammograms uh, so just
1: cut them off just them
0: off. I don't yeah just and and then with the prospect of reconstruction you know you can have you know the you smooth transition to your know, normal breast or normal appearing breasts which maintain your body contours for uh, you know wearing clothes so keep going with the story
1: yeah yeah well, Jody says tissue reports post surgically confirm that there was overstain and overdiagnosis. Anyway, aye, aye,
0: aye, aye, so aye, aye. she so, was so just, just for a second for the, 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 yeah. in, when a pathologist do analysis, they sometimes stain the tissue, and staining the tissue can uh, highlight abnormalities in the cells. And yeah. it, I guess it. I don't know the ins and outs of this, but if you overstain, you may. Uh, overread the pathology. Okay, so they, so now, mm-hmm. in retrospect, they say that may have overread it. Okay, so yeah. unnecessary. So, Both breasts removed, possibly unnecessarily.
1: Unnecessarily, and yep. now she has implants. Okay. Now, he, here's the conclusion of that. Yep. They're uncomfortable from the beginning and miserable now. The spout of the implant has turned and is lodged under my nipple. My breast spasms trying to expel it.
0: I can't even imagine that.
1: Yeah. The lump in parenthesis spout appeared laterally. I brought this to the attention of the mammography attendants, but nothing ever showed up in the screenings. It took four years for me to finally insist on seeing a radiologist. They ordered a biopsy, but the biopsy surgeon didn't excise the lump for fear of puncturing the implant. Right. Just just, hold on, hold
0: on there. You know, it's basically what you got is kind of a It's not literally, but it's kind of like a water balloon or like a water bed. Yes. You know, and it's got, instead of water, it's got silicone in it. And it's got uh, uh, a jacket or a membrane Mm
1: -hmm. where
0: it's hard to take a biopsy to explore what's behind it or around it. Yeah. Because you puncture the membrane, all that material leaks out into the breast tissue, which is a nightmare.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well... And here comes the rest of it. So instead, he peppered my nipple with more clips than I can count. And with the strong stain setting, I am once again diagnosed with breast cancer and feeling held hostage by the oncology industry.
0: Wow. Okay. So what this This is- This is a nightmare. Yeah, this is a cautionary tale. And, you know, recently- Uh, In my article for the newsletter this week, that some of you may already have in your mailboxes as you listen to this podcast, uh, I talk about uh, an individual named Peter Atia, whose podcast I listen to, and he's very, very informative. But it's his position that uh, we, and he's written about in his book, Outlive, that we can vanquish cancer through early detection. We need better ways to detect cancer. Uh, more people should undergo, uh, screening at an earlier age, you know, perhaps mammograms from 35 every year thereafter and, or even, you know, improving the quality of the tests, colonoscopies for everybody over 40, uh, every couple of years, um, whole body, uh, MRIs. And this is an anecdote about what could possibly go wrong, right? Because what we've yeah. got is we've got overdiagnosis, perhaps over screening, <laughs> um, finding mm-hmm. a cancer which is not really a cancer. Then breast implants, which sometimes are fine, but sometimes can go awry. I mean, there's a certain you know for every test or treatment, there are potential unintended consequences, and that's why. Yeah. Here uh, is yeah.
1: yeah. Here is Jody's dilemma now. She says, because she's got this active diagnosis of breast cancer once again, she can find no surgeon to remove the implants and she's getting sicker and sicker. With the implants.
0: Right. And there's also implant-related illness. Uh, We know that that's a thing where women develop autoimmune diseases. And so many women develop autoimmune disease without breast implants that they actually deny that this is a real phenomenon. But I think it's real because it's a foreign material in the body and the body's immune system responds to that by... Ramping up its attack on normal tissue, that's autoimmunity.
1: And you know, not just breast implants; it could be dental implants, yes. it could be any type of other implant in yes. the body.
0: Yes, yeah. uh, joint replacements, uh, any number yes. of things. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my comment is no comment. You know, what can you do? This is this this is a conundrum, and uh yeah. you know really sympathize with this person, their their predicament. Uh, but, um, you know, I just have to say that it kind of illustrates the pitfalls of overdiagnosis and overtreatment.
1: Oh, Jody needs to find a surgeon who will remove the implants and oh
0: there, my goodness there are there are such, there are such. And you know, they're actually. You know, for every, so here's an example, uh, hernias, hernias are often repaired successfully, but there was a whole problem with certain meshes that were used, you know. Yes. And so there are surgeons who do a uh, hernia surgery and uh, they're, they're few and far between, even fewer and far between are the surgeons. And there's probably just a handful of them who correct the problems associated with bad mesh. And that mm-hmm. is like a real mess is to pull the mesh out with all the adhesions and all the tissue infiltration of the mesh uh, yeah. without causing a irrevocable damage and then re-repairing the hernia. And so, these are sort of like, um, you know, clean up in aisle six uh, types right. of doctors. You know, they have to go in yeah. after a standard medical procedure and fix the consequences of the medical procedure. And so, for every... Surgeon, uh, you know, every 100 surgeons, there's probably, you know, one or two of the guys who who fix the problems associated with previous surgery. But there are the, you know, keep looking because I think there are those types of people. I don't know them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Jody, thank you for telling us your story. This is harrowing, and and my thoughts and prayers are with you. My goodness. And, and,
0: and by the way, this kind of illustrates something, which is, you know, this forum is not just for questions. This forum is for experiences, either negative or positive. And, you know, so if you've yeah. had, like, a remarkable uh, response to some of the therapies that we talk about here or something novel that we haven't discussed, you know, and you want to share it, uh, share it, please. Or if you have, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, a devastating uh, adverse uh, effect of high tech medicine, uh, mm. you know, I think it's a cautionary tale because it, it, you know, I think what we want to do is we want to practice intelligent medicine, use the best of high tech yes. and the best of natural, but not go overboard because sometimes mm-hmm. uh, there can be dire consequences. Okay. Yeah. So, enough said.
1: Okay. Uh, we've got a question here from Kevin. Hello, I'm going to be 50 in a few months, and I'm noticing lately I'm having slight recall problems. I'm in pretty good shape. I eat healthy, although I do have two to three beers a week. Is there any proven supplement that may help with cognitive
0: memory issues? Okay, so first of all, um, there is this thing called age-related memory impairment, and it's a real thing. But it's not inevitable. And there are plenty of octogenarians and nonagenarians uh, who are really, really cognitively intact. And they're good thinkers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, regardless of what you think of his, uh, you know, policies, you know, we've got Henry Kissinger, who's weighing in very intelligently on the current, uh, you know, Middle East crisis. And I think he's like yeah. 99 or 100 or, you know, something like that. And mm-hmm. you know he's physically debilitated. He looks like a, a toad. You know he does not look. Oh. You know he's oh. he just that kind of has that kind of body, but mentally intact. So, uh, the problem I think for a lot of people in middle age is: is it real or is it, uh, is it a kind of a neurosis, frankly, because. You know, when you're when you're 15 or 18, you know you're worried about you know what your body looks like. You know, girls are looking at you. Do I have uh, adequate breast development? Okay. You know, men are looking yeah. at their muscles.
1: Does Boys. he like me? Yeah,
0: yeah. If that you know. But those are the preoccupations. That are like, oh my god, I've got you know a little facial acne. So they become very obsessive about it. But yeah. and things change. And in midlife, one of the biggest worries is about cognition. And this may or may not be real. There may be a way to measure it, although subtle impairments in cognition are hard to pick up. There are uh, evaluations that can be done by uh, psychologists who specialize in uh, uh, evaluating uh, patients for cognitive decline and dementia. Uh, some of them, you know, they're online tests, but it's better to have a test administered by a professional to see if it's real. Uh, the two biggest problems are, number one, worry about cognition which is yes. endemic in people who are, you know, 50, 60, 70. Uh, and also uh, simply anxiety. Anxiety is a big yes. robber of memory. And it so is. many of us are hammered with mm-hmm. so many issues, uh, in life and so many distractions. And, you know, so yes, our memory is impaired. I mean, um, if, if I've got something, uh, really uh, bad happening in, in my life. For, so, for example, I broadcast uh, on October 7th. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I, I soldiered through it. You know, I actually did my weekend show. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that my uh, memory and recall were as sharp because of my uh, preoccupation with what was happening in the news that day.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: and the yep. anxiety and consternation that I was causing. Uh, other times, you know, like today, I, I feel, you know, I've exercised. I feel relatively relaxed. Um, mm-hmm. Not a lot's going on in my personal life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the world situation's going to hell, but I can contextualize that. So mm-hmm. anxiety is a big robber. Uh, I don't think this is a place to go through a litany of all the supplements you can take for your memory because I think, uh, older people are kind of exploited around that. You know, it's like, uh, you, you know, you watch, uh, Jeopardy or something like that, and they have commercials for, uh, Prevagen, which is, in my yes. mind, a useless supplement for memory, but it, it kind of plays on people's anxiety about memory loss. Now, right. sometimes it's real, and, you know, is it a good idea to get yourself, uh, an Apo A? I'm sorry, an APOE test. There's even what now now you can go to Quest and you can take a blood test that purports to tell you whether you have Alzheimer's. But Mm. a lot of doctors have weighed in on that. They say, well, number one, it's not accurate entirely. I mean, it's predictive and it may be right or it may be wrong. And but what are you going to do with that information? And, you know, I say do everything you can to preserve your cognition, eat a healthy diet, exercise, you know, engage right. in social interactions, engage in mentally challenging tasks. Uh, take uh, supplements like uh, omega threes and, and, you know, uh, NAD supplements that yeah. uh, support brain function. Take creatine even. Mm-hmm. I, I take creatine for workouts, but it's good for the brain and mm-hmm. memory and focus. So, you know, doing all those things, you know, keep your 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 microbiome healthy um
1: right so reducing your stress and your anxiety because cortisol is yeah. a stress hormone yeah that's responsible for shrinking the hippocampus
0: precisely
1: which is the memory center of the brain
0: exactly exactly
1: making sure you sleep well yes your circadian rhythms are right i mean there are physiological reasons for cortisol to be high
0: avoid uh, unnecessary not just drugs because
1: you're worrying about something
0: avoid unnecessary drugs okay so what about the alcohol you know the guy says he drinks three beers a week yeah, I, don't think he's, a week. I don't think he's reaching the threshold where that's a problem. But, hey, if you're worried no. about your memory, stop drinking. Just stop drinking.
1: Absolutely. Because no matter what and no matter
0: how little of it,
1: alcohol is still a neurotoxin. Yeah. It is still a neurotoxin. Right. So Mediterranean diet, be gone. Really, the medicinal dose we're talking about is three and a half ounces of red wine three times a week. You know, that's seven tablespoons in your glass three times a week. <laughs> right. It's almost like taking cough medicine. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's still a neurotoxin.
0: Yeah.
1: Alcohol yeah. is. so. Yeah. 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 So that's
0: that's my take on that. And, you know, he, he could maybe to reassure him, he could undertake an evaluation with uh, these psychologists who specialize in uh, uh, dementia evaluations. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, recently, I participated in that for a relative of mine who, you know, we had to we had to establish for legal purposes whether she was capable of handling her own affairs, and we had to render an objective diagnosis uh, so uh, that um, you know we could make sure that she wasn't being exploited. Um, and yes. uh, you know, so it actually required opinions from two. Uh, psychologists uh, that concurred that she had significant dementia, and uh, mm. I was there when she performed the tests, and you know she really had trouble with recall on some of those things, real, real serious trouble. But to talk to her, she was just really very, very social and appropriate. So you couldn't you couldn't diagnose it based on a conversation with her because yeah. uh, you know she had intact sense of humor, socially appropriate. She was really strong in that. Regard, but um, mm-hmm. when it came to memory tasks that were evaluated by the uh, uh, the Moca exam, um, uh, that showed up some real deficits. You know, draw, try to draw a clock. You know, say draw a clock that says three o'clock. Yes. People cannot do that who suffer from you know mild to moderate dementia. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: the they clock test. That the clock mm-hmm. test. Yeah, so. Yeah. Get an evaluation to, yeah, usually reassure yourself, but don't get neurotic about it because, yeah, um, it's, I sure. think we're, we're, look, I final word on it is if someone said, you got to go to medical school again, and I have a frequent nightmare that I've just been accepted to medical school and I have to, uh, you know, <laughs> I have to cut it, but I'm, you know, 70 years old. I'm the oldest person in the class, but I'm going to try and, you know, get through medical school. Um, this is actually a nightmare that I have from time to time. And- I, I have a similar nightmare. And yeah. I don't know if I could do it again, you know, <laughs> uh, with all that sheer memorization, you know, of every muscle, yeah. every nerve, every, you know, cell type, you know, every disease under the sun. You know, I don't know. Right. It might be fun to try, but <laughs> yeah. conti- continuing education. Go to medical school again. Try. Right. All right. right. Enough okay. said on all those subjects, and we're running a little over for part one. So, give us a preview of what we're going to tackle in part two.
1: Is it worthwhile to take low dose naltrexone prophylactically?
0: Okay, we'll weigh in on that subject when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our, uh, I was going to say our guest is no, she's not a guest. She's a, <laughs> she's a regular uh, with today because I'm used to my podcast today. Our today's guest is you know uh yes no, you're regular uh you're perennial it, today with uh, Layla muden our resident nutrition nutritionist and the place to send questions questions at dr